you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Things that are hard to do in the middle of July 2019. One, tip winners in the footy. To find the motivation to go do all the one percent as necessary in the freezing cold rain at training, and three, find the motivation to cook dinner after said footy training. Well, we can't help you with your training habits. We'll do our best to find you some winners, and our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel, has you covered for every after session feed or perhaps just a post session team meeting on the corner of Pine Road and Language Street in Abbotsford. It's your one stop. Footy shop, the Yorkshire Hotel. Speaking of doing it tough in July, this man did it very tough in the tipping last week, and by all accounts is doing it tough on the track as well tonight. Big Baz, how are we travelling, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Just, it's just not an ideal uh, preparation for a game when your ground is almost untrainable. And yes, I struggled last week with my tipping, but I still got a six lead on you, or now only three. I've, but in my other tipping comps, I'm within two or three, yeah. so I tried to... Get funky with it. Get funky with it. Make a little little early run, you know, just coming around the bend, just yep. uh, starting to track into the race three or four wide, about to like make my move, but then I got a stitch. Yep. I, I stopped. Yeah. I only got three. So it's pretty uh, pretty stiff, but you know, I'm still in front of That's right. yourself and the model, so it's fine. That's fine. We are coming for you and we're coming for you hard. And I like to say that, you know, the logic took over the, over the gut last week, which was the first time all season. So maybe that's a trend. Maybe logic will finally win through. I could be doing a Collingwood here and blowing a five-goal lead in the first quarter of the grand final and, and lose this tipping and I'll be shattered. <laughs> For everyone's sake, I hope that's not the case. You used to call me on my cell phone Day night when you need my love Call me on my cell phone Speaking of someone else who might be blowing a five-goal lead, I'm going to on the blower about one thing, and that is uh, Steve Hawking's comments today. So he's doing it tough in July as well. It, and out of, out of nowhere, he just decided... No one asked for this press conference. He just decided to have it. He just wanted to be relevant again, I think. And then he it, just said, like, I hate tackling. I think he's trying to find an excuse to keep his job. He just went, you know what, guys? I haven't said anything for a couple of weeks. I hate tackling. I think it needs to go. We need to reduce tackling. Uh, it's bad, and I don't know. And then after that, he kind of just said, like, oh, I haven't really thought this through. So I have a very strong view on that, is his quote. It's become a feature of our game and all that stuff that we're analysing about how to get balance back in so that it's not a feature of our game. I don't think there's a number, but certainly we don't want tackling necessarily as a skill. I need more time to think on that, though, to understand it. But people should take some confidence that we're looking at the right things. Now, other than not, that not being great English... Because you just quoted hockey then. That, that, was, a, that was a direct a word, quote. Word for word quote, yeah. So, I've got some facts first before we, we jump in and pick it apart. Do you know that tackling's actually at its lowest since 2009? Really? Yeah. So, obviously, Hawking's done a Justin Langer here and just gone off, off cuff at a press conference without knowing the full facts. Yeah, so we're averaging two, uh, 124 tackles per game for both teams... Uh, that's the lowest since 2009, which was 124 as well. Uh, yeah, we had a peak just after the uh, introduction of Gold Coast and GWS. Yep. And uh, my hunch or hypothesis for that is, if you have teams that aren't very good, yep. the only thing you can do is tackle. Is tackle. Yes. So we've got 
more teams that are struggling because we've we've taken the talent away from the teams and spread out across two more extra yeah, teams. The, the talent pool wasn't as good. It's starting to grow back up again. Yeah, yeah. hence why tackles actually dropping because now yeah. we can focus more on playing footy. And then so everyone goes, oh, let's go back to like the good old day. In 2000, when the AFL first became kind of professional and officially AFL, yeah. yes, we averaged 63 tackles a game for both teams. Yep. Yeah. But then since then, very rapid increase as professionalism increased because people have higher expectations of their players. And also game styles and stuff like that have come yeah. in. And Terry Walsh has been about telling SEN how his team was no good, the doggies, and Essendon were flying. How am I going to you know, counteract this? Mm. I'm going to start the flood and the zone. Yeah. And he started that with Rodney Eden. And, you know, and it, the game keeps evolving. up. I, I, and we've had a massive, we had a massive pivot point. So the, the biggest jump on year-on-year tackling was after the 2008 Grand Final where Hawthorne defeated the handballing Cats. They were the good. first team to handball more than they kicked. Yep. What's the easiest thing to do when someone handballs? Tackle. Tackle them. Yes, frontal pressure. And then Hawthorne won. Yep. And then they basically revolutionised football. They went on and introduced all of those uh, West Coast and Sydney Grand Finals, then themselves went on a three-peat. Now we're coming at the, at the end of that where teams are not doing that anymore. West Coast weren't a great clearance team or a tackling team. Richmond yeah. weren't a very good clearance team or tackling team. It's all surge football. It's all front. surge football. It's frontal pressure. What I don't quite understand is when he says, A, tackling's not a feature of our game. It's probably the only thing that's been consistent in football for 120 years. Yes. Is kick, handball, mark, tackle. That's it. That's what footy has been. They're the four things you learn in kick. And then the second one is, it's actually not the problem. So when he says... We don't want it to be a defining skill. Is that should that be concerning? And is tackling a skill? I've had a theory, and I think I've talked about this probably probably close to two years ago on, on this pod. Yeah, that they want to make this game more uh, easy, a lot easier for other people to play from other countries. Yeah. they want to turn it into like a Gaelic football almost because it's a round ball. You can play it on soccer fields, and it can go worldwide. And I have a feeling that McLaughlin and uh, and and Hocking and, and Co are, are trying to ha- make that happen. And by saying we don't, we want to limit tackling and make you know have less tackles in games, it just opens it up to more. Okay, we've already got six six six. So are they going to start having zones? Are we going to lose the th- boundary throw and have a free kick to the opposition because it means whoever touched last because it means there's one less uh, stoppage to have. And they want to open up the game, make it more free flowing. The problem is that this, the coaches are so smart. And we've seen that throughout the years when they always bring in these little rules to try and break up congestion. So first they got rid of the third man up rule yep. and you know they brought in the 666 this year and, the, and the, the mark goes back an extra couple of metres. But the coaches have gone, all right, well, it's going to open up the game a bit more. It's easier for them to score against us. We're going to stop going around, you know, up the corridor and taking the game on. We're going to be safe. We're going to try and possess the ball more. Uncontested marks are up. You know, kicking on the boundary, you know, taking the boundary, that's up using the corridors down as an overall this year because yeah. where's the easiest place to defend from? The boundary. Yeah. So teams are like taking away that 6-6-6 and that kick-in rule by going the boundary more. It's easy to defend. So every rule they bring in, there's 18 coaches plus their 20 back staff figuring out ways around it to win games. So from a viewer's point of view, do you think it's more important to have high-scoring games or close games? Because while scoring is probably, I think it's at its lowest since the uh, late 70s, yep. um, it's also as close as it's been since the early 60s. I had some stats on the couch mm. on Monday night about how actually it's 
but this year's footy is actually better than this, this year's the, the closeness of the games mm. all that sort of stuff I think it's good it shows that the, the competition is a lot more even mm. and it means that you the season lasts longer for teams that are still outside the eight yeah like you know technically the top three top four is probably almost set but there's a big cluster from six to twelve that can still make the finals and that's good because you know what happened was it two years ago when North made the finals and they were, it was three or four rounds to go and the, the final eight was set yeah. You don't want that because it means there's football that's coming out that no one wants to watch. You don't really care because the eight's set and you're pretty much set in the top four. Like, you know, Collingwood's got a couple of big weeks coming up, but I don't know if we get through those two weeks. I'm not, I don't really care. So yeah, I was looking forward to the finals. Yeah. But if you're like a, you know, a Sydney or a Freeman or an Essendon, you want to still be in that hunt and still having close games and still trying to make finals. So it means the season goes long and they get more people watching the games Which and is, attending yeah. the games. Especially, well, I think that's where the power struggle is between attendance and TV product. There's, again, all these different playoffs that, from a commercial aspect, you need to try and maintain, I suppose, from the AFL's point of view. So one is, like, are we trying to make the game better for current football fans, or are we trying to grow the game? And I feel like current football fans will get turned off if it's not hard and tough footy. As much as, like, everyone goes, oh, it's a congested game, does the AFL fan really want their AFL products being turned into amateur football? Oh, we don't worry, we mate. We play. We lay, we lay plenty of tackles in ammo footy, mate. But you know, like, like in the sense that with ammo, with ammos, it has, or even like suburban football in general. Yeah. There is just a general like it isn't. There's not that fear factor of of losing. Yeah. Like you can lose three games in a row, and then you can make them up later in the season. If you lose three games in the AFL, suddenly you're on the back page of the Herald Sun, and, and getting, someone's and going you, for your job, and you're getting sacked. Yeah. Well, you, you look at what's probably been the worst games you've watched over the last few weeks. Probably the Melbourne Melbourne Carlton game. Melbourne Carlton was pretty bad. Southern of Sydney Essendon. The Hawthorne, the Hawthorne uh, Collingwood game was pretty bad. Yeah. But that, you, you'd say they were pretty much uncontested sort of games, wouldn't you? Yeah, the, it's skill errors. But there was still where you where you can't. Yeah, it's still hundred points. Hundred. No, it's still hundred twenty tackles per yeah. game. But I mean, what what do you think about last last for instance last Friday night with? One of the best games of the year. Exactly. And then in that game, guess what? Still 120-odd tackles. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how many tackles are laid. It's It's what you do with the footy. Exactly. If you're going to butcher it, you're going to butcher it. It's still going to be a crap game to watch. If you put frontal pressure on like Collingwood rocked up last week Mm. and actually applied themselves and pressured the ball carrier of West Coast and stopped their game and took out um, McGovern and Hearn, you know, isolated them so they couldn't intercept Mark, it's a great game to watch. So... Maybe we just need to, you know, relax. And obviously, uh, there was an article out a few uh, a few weeks ago about soft tissue injuries going up. So people were talking about like lowering the rotations to stop congestion. Well, okay, we'll do that, and we'll probably have more soft tissue injuries mm. again. So just, and again, leave, it's, just leave it's, the game alone. And if that's the part where it's so, that's the part where I don't quite understand is that what what's the end goal? Is the end goal? competitive football where anyone's team can beat anyone on any given day which I think a couple of years ago was the end result or is the end goal of which I will quote directly from Channel 7 CEO Tim Warner I want more goals that's the most valuable 30 seconds on screen real estate in Australian television aside from the 30 seconds after an over in cricket and that was just after, interview just after Channel 7 bought the rights to the cricket Australia well why don't they just get more teams like Gold Coast in the competition. Yeah. Because, you know, how many goals did LA kick? How many goals did Richmond kick? Mm. I don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. Even Adelaide were laughing in the coaches' box was that easy. Mm. So, I think 
And that's what you got back in the good old days of football is blowouts. Like once a team gets six goals up, you can't really win. Like very rarely are teams letting you back in. Yeah. Unless it's Collingwood and Adelaide a couple of years ago. Yeah. But yeah, like that's not competitive. Last year's grand final. Last year's grand final. A couple of yeah. unless it's a Collingwood game, you're usually pretty safe when you go six goals up. Yeah. But that's not like that's not competitive football. It's not conducive to the fans watching it. And as much the same what cricket went through, it's like. Oh, everyone wants to see everyone hitting 400, but actually the most exciting game we ever saw was two teams struggling to score 240. Yeah, in the World Cup final. Oh, World even, Cup the, final. even the semi-finals went India and New Zealand. Yeah. It's, it, when it's a, a when natural... It's a contest, and contest, the result... Yeah. yeah, when the result is unknown, that's what makes any sport special as opposed to the actual outcome. Because all, all scoring is there for is to determine who wins. It's That's not actually... like doesn't determine whether or not it's a good game. But maybe we're in the minority here. Maybe yeah. we're just two footy nerds sitting in a, sitting on a couch, having our own thoughts. And the actual zeitgeist is saying, no, we want 150 versus 150 or 200 versus 50 as long as there's lots of goals kicked. Or... Well, defenders are pretty, you know, yeah. You, don't want, you might as well just have what they should do. They, they should, if they want points kicked, they should play four, have a zone and play five on four or five forwards. They were out scoring. Mm. But I, I think one rule I'd... I'd I have an inkling that's definitely coming in over the next probably next season will be the last touch out of bounds will be a free kick they've been trying at the Sanford now for a while and I, I have a feeling that's going to come in and then the problem with these rule changes is when it, and this is probably my last say on it is when it flows down to suburban level so this year we haven't really at the VAFA they haven't really changed much in the rules they've only changed the the kick in rule mm-hmm. uh, there's no 6-6 six, six or anything but I've you know in Eastern Footy League and stuff like that I've heard of, you know they're using 6-6-6 six, six, six and I've spoken to a few um, players about it, and it, it, the umpires just bugger it up more often than not because there's only two umpires. Hmm. They're part time. They're more part time than what the current AFL umpires are. So they're butchering it, you know. So yeah, it's just and if you bring those rules in, and it has a flow-on effect because again, you've got amateur umpires sometimes volunteers umpiring the game with all these new rules. They've got no idea. And unfortunately, the AFL's on a position where they can have new rules at the top league and not have it flow down because all their pathways are connected to these as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. The kids that end up getting drafted play seniors in the AFL yeah. and play seniors in the unknowns and whatever yeah. it is. So it's not like... Yeah, it, no sport is, it can actually do that. Once you change a rule at the top, you have to change it all the way it through. It flows through, yeah. And they'll probably, you know, over the next year or two, they'll probably bring it into VAFA, but they need to find more umpires so they can have proper umpires officiating it. But like, I can imagine under 19 level, even women's football... Where they've got volunteer umpires, they're lucky to get one, maybe two umpires a week. In under nines, we're lucky to have, you know, any more than the two main. So you've got no boundary umpires, and you're finding trying to find volunteer, and they're going to be paying free kicks every time to judge who last touched the ball. Yeah, I'd rather not. Thanks. No, especially because yeah, and even we were said in the AFL, like we already have contentious calls about touch behinds and that kind of thing. Imagine if a turnover. Last touch out of bounds inside the fifties. Suddenly, that's a goal kicking opportunity. Yeah, it's more grey area, which we a lot more grey area and a lot more contentious decisions having an influence on the outcome of the game. Yes, which we already which, have too which many. Which we have too many of. When we could just have less rules and less chance for the umpires to decide games as opposed to the players. Which, at the end of the day, should be the whole aim of football. Yes. Let the players play. Let the coaches coach. Because at the end of the time, the AFL is a professional sporting league that everyone's trying to win. Yep. And that should be. When your club wins or has a chance of winning, that's when fans are happy, more often than not. Yep. Will that grow the game internationally? Probably not. Will the game grow internationally? Probably not. No. 
So it's maybe a, we should just make it game. the best game it can possibly be. Yeah, for Australians. Oh, You've done it right out of me here because generally, you know, I like to keep I away from this stuff. That's why I came in from a left angle there. The, the main the main sort of stream media stuff I don't really like because you hear it too much and it yeah. does my head in, but you, you, you suck me in there, so well done to you. <laughs> just with, um, obviously, you know, the Scott boys have been spoken about this week about, you know, the coaching. Yeah. You've obviously got one at Geelong and one who's now probably at St Kilda or Carlton. Yeah, St Kilda Carlton don't want them. It's funny how Geelong supporters don't really like Scott either. Don't really like the way he goes about it. So say St Kilda or Carlton hide Scott. Yeah. Their fans are not really happy with it yeah. anyway. They go 0-5, start next year. Not going to sack him straight away. No way. Could you imagine the turmoil? But that'll be anyone though. No, I reckon it would be. I reckon if they hired a... No, no, it's like if... if, if Sin, so, say St. Kilda don't hire Ratten. Yep. And that North don't hire Shaw. Yeah, Shaw, yeah. And then any coach goes 0-6 and six next year. Yeah. Doesn't matter who that'd be. They'd be like, why didn't you hire Shaw? We won three games straight after we got hired. Yeah. But that would be... That's anyone. Yeah, I just... But reckon, I suppose especially Scott. Especially Scott. I reckon if Scott walks into St. Kilda or Carlton... Where the fans don't want him, it's clear on... Like, I listen to a lot of talkback radio on SEN and stuff because I'm a nuffy. But I reckon it's clear that they don't want either. Mm. Like, they don't want... Like, and if they start the year poorly, that club is just in a... Whichever so why club, doesn't Carlton want Teague then? They want a senior, a but coach has coached before. Because the board's off its chops. They've, they've got an idea, they've got this thing in their head and they want to stick with it. It's funny though, I read a stat, I don't know how true it is because I haven't done my homework on it, but the only coach to have left an, an AFL club as a coach mm-hmm. without winning a flag and gone to another one is Mick Malthouse. And they tried that. It didn't go, didn't so, go well. so every every clubs, coach actually, yeah. Every coach who's left one club and gone to another one without winning a flag at the previous club has never won one at their second club. And with Malthouse, that was basically... His formative years, anyway, at Western Bulldogs. Oh, Western Bulldogs were nearly gone under. It was they were broken, yeah. folded. So, so when he when he fled them and went to West Coast, yes, yeah. makes sense. Yes. Win a flag there, win a flag at Collingwood. Yes, he be, he became he was one of the all time great coaches. So yeah. fair enough. Just finished weirdly because he's. A, he should have just said no. He should have yeah. just said, "Okay, my time's up at Collingwood. Yeah. I'll just go back to making media cash or yes. something." Anyway, so I digress from that. I just, I just had that thought in my head. And I forgot to bring it up earlier. And, it's, got, it's too busy speaking about bloody hockey. Monday's experts always know what's best, always tell you what you should have done. Monday's experts always know what's cooking, how the game was. Our round 18 picks. We'll start with some upset alerts, and I've got some interesting ones just on our, uh, our more like punters' prophecies. So, yep. a couple of these are kind of. We'll seem a bit forced for the upset alerts, but I think they fit with the general pattern we've seen all year. The first will be tomorrow night, Friday, 7.50. Adelaide are $1.42 favourites against Essendon. $2.73 outsiders at the Adelaide Oval. A line of 14.5, an over-under of 160. Now, obviously, the Crows coming off a massive win against the Suns, which probably means absolutely nothing. And Essendon have thrown together three very ugly wins. So which form line stacks up more? Well, I still don't rate either of these teams. Um, well, you know my feelings on Adelaide. And so, do you reckon it lacked 
disrespect to Gold Coast and Stuart Jew when they were laughing in the coach's box. Well, is that taken out of context, though? Because you've been in a coach's box. Like, someone might have farted, someone might have done anything dumb. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty low-brow place, the coach's box, and you could be laughing about anything. I don't know. I'm generally stressing out too much, but uh, there are some funny lines, although, from the boys on the on the boundary. But yeah. generally, I'm just too busy... Um, losing your shit. Losing my, not losing my shit, losing more hair and stressing about... Things I probably don't need to be stressing about because we're actually going all right, but that's just me. That's how it is. But uh, I, don't, I, I still don't know. Really, I still think their midfield is very slow. And mm. Essendon, you know, the last few weeks have played some really good footy, and I've tipped against them because I, I still don't rate them. I still don't think they're any good. But I don't think Adelaide's much better either. The only thing for me is Hurley's out. That's a big. In, that's a big loss for that, uh, for Essendon. You know, especially with Taylor Walker and Josh Jenkins, it means Carl Hooker has to go back. Um, you can't you know, be thrown around anymore. Does Mitch Brown maybe start back as well? Where does Aaron Francis play that sort of stuff? So, but with Tipper's form of late, maybe he might get off the leash here as well. Uh, the Adelaide halfbackers do like to attack. They're pretty. Uh, they like to run off and take it on. And that's where I think if, if they can cause the front half turnovers like they have the last few weeks, which is why they've been winning. I reckon their small forwards and even their, their tall forwards are in with a good chance here. The only other thing for me is uh, the ruck. The ruck duel is, is a bit of a concern for me. I, I, I'm sure McKernan uh, is probably going to take go go into it by himself with you know, pinch hits from Mitch Brown and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't think Clark's going to play. Uh, he's not named. So, Roy O'Brien's been really, really good for Adelaide. Yeah. So, and that might give them their, their midfield dominance. But for me, again, even though they, that midfield dominance, they might get first use of the ball. It's very inside. It's very. There's not a lot of pace on the outside, so it's a secondary contested possession that Essendon might be able to take advantage of. And I just, think, I'm going to tip him for the first time, so you know what's going to happen now. No, I'm tipping him as well. I reckon so, you've gone perfectly right here. And again, it, there's our concerns. So Essendon's major issue in the last couple of weeks, even though they've been winning, has been turning the ball over in in those entry kicks. Yes, but, and that's where Adelaide likes to rebound from. Yeah. So that's my that's my kind of concern. But also, I don't think Adelaide has. If you can, if Tipper can get off the chain, then that forces those rebound run guys to be accountable. So then they lose that anyway. Yeah. So and I don't think they have any real lockdown plays to go and stop those smaller forwards they've got. So as well, they don't have a hit up target. They have electric small forwards if they're on. If they're on, well, you which saw, we can't. Yeah, really tell. We saw Port Adelaide the other week flick the ball around, take it on, handball receive. As soon as they hit that short little kick, they just gave it to someone running past. And they burnt. Mm. They run them off their feet, Adelaide, like Ess- uh, Port Adelaide did to Adelaide. Mm. So Essendon are pretty similar. I reckon they can do the same sort of thing. I hope Warsfold gives them the, the freedom, to, the do freedom it. to do it. It's just whether they can kick a big enough score. And you know, For me, you, again, when you look at the back line of uh, Adelaide, you've got probably Brodie Smith and Seeds, who are the probably two running halfbacks. The rest of them are pretty small and... I mean, Luke Brown's a very, very, very good player. Don't get me wrong. And I, I actually love him. I think he's a great player. But ball use and, and speed is not something he has. And obviously, Keith and Talia, they almost don't have a matchup for both those two. Mm-hmm. So if Essen is smart using the ball going forward and even probably just make it chaotic as possible going forward, probably don't want to kick it in the air too much, keep it on the deck. Yeah, I reckon they, they can do some real damage. So it'll be interesting to see if Dylan Clark as well goes to either one of the Crouch boys or whether he goes to... A, uh, uh, Roy Laird or uh, Tom Lynch, so someone mm. who is pretty important to the Adelaide matchup. I, I, if I was, hit, if I was Busher, Busher, 
I'd be either Rory Laird or Tom Lynch because Tom Lynch that is that link man for their half forward and Rory Laird obviously gives them so much off that half back, back line yeah. so yeah I'd be watching uh, where Dylan Clark goes to because he's been doing a great job for, yeah, for Essendon. Essendon just absolutely shutting out players so so are we expecting a high scoring game then or are we just expecting Essendon to get on top um I wouldn't touch the over-unders. I reckon it's Essendon 1 to 39. I reckon you're getting about $3.50, 4 bucks. Yeah, we're that's... getting two seventy seventy three just for the win. Even, so. or even just the lines. The lines are about 17 points, so that's a pretty good buffer for me. Uh, and that gives you, you know, a bit of bit of wriggle room for if Adelaide do manage to sneak out of the line. I reckon it'll be a close game. It could be a blowout to Essendon. And then that puts a lot more pressure on Pikey. Uh, and Wush will be pretty happy about where they're sitting going especially forward. from where he, he was under the pump and just as all the other coaches fell around him he strung some wins together and now he's got the Essendon fans saying we're finals bound yeah, I don't which know they're, they're, they probably they're, are they're, they're I think they're going to be the last one standing in the 8th spot I think I don't think that's good for them though because it gives them false hope they've had false hope they just want to cut that drought they're not going to win a final the lead, no it's not, just make a final just make finals yeah. cut that drought of not even playing in them speaking of droughts these two teams know all about droughts Saturday Two ten. Carlton are a dollar twenty-two favourites. They are apparently a form side in this current year of AFL. That's why Stephen Hawking's having a crisis meeting. Carlton are a dollar twenty-two favourites. Gold Coast are four-dollar outsiders. They're playing at the MCG. The line here is five goals, Baz. Thirty and a half points. This is absurd to me. It is because you cannot trust. Yes, they've won three out of five games. Yep. The two games they lost out of those five were by you know less than ten points. Yep. They're not that good. They are not a five-goal team better than any team in the competition. Carlton? No. They're, on the, mate, they're playing some decent footy. They're playing some decent they footy. They do butcher the footy. They absolutely butcher it, and they get scored against a lot in turnovers. And they, we saw against Melbourne, and you know, even last week they were pretty iffy in a low-scoring game. But look, You could not look at that line and be confident that Blues would get anywhere close to... To covering them. Have you seen Gold Coast play the last two weeks? I have seen the Gold Coast play the last two weeks, and they played against better sides than Carlton. My only issue here for Carlton, so was, they're due for drop off. They They've had due. five big weeks in the honeymoon period. Yep. Suddenly, Teague is the man for the job. The well, training wheels well, are off. Well, no, that's 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 where I think this might. It's either an account against them or for them. So obviously, you know, the, the the word is that some of the senior players at Carlton are, are said are, we want Teague. We want Teagues. and Carlton are like. Carlton, uh, no, we're going for a, a senior assistant yep. or a senior coach. We want someone, you know, we, we, we've gone the unproven path before with Bolton. It failed. And really they stuffed up when they sacked Ratton and got Mick Mighthouse in, but that's another story. Another story, yeah. Yep. So how are the players going to react to knowing that they're, they're not being listened to by the club and then they've already gone and interviewed other coaches and it's getting out. So Michael Voss was interviewed yesterday or today. So... How is that going to play on the on the players, and how is that going to play on Teague? Even it could go one of two ways. They could come out and flog Gold Coast and say we want Teague, we're going to keep playing for him, or they can go, well, what's the point of doing this? Let's just uh, pack our bags and get ready for in season footy trip. Mm. On the other hand, I like the ins for Go- for Gold Coast. They've got some they've got some senior players back. So um, I want to say senior players back, some players with some experience. So Corey Ellis, you know, he's was at Richmond for a few years. He's you know he's a senior body. Peter Wright's back for Gold Coast. You know, he's a big in for them. He gives them something up forward. Uh, I like Burgess and I like Dawson uh, playing as well. Surely they got it. So they had a big meeting after the game last week at, at Gold Coast. And uh, you know, Took Miller took it. And obviously Stuart you spoke to him as well. And you know, the other leadership group. So I expect some somewhat of a, 
a bit of a bounce back from them. Mm-hmm. They've had two really, really bad weeks. They're in the media under the spotlight, in the, under pressure. They've got some really good players, Gold Coast. Like, but they're just too young and they're too small. Yeah. Need a bit more experience, but I think that they'll be a bit better than they have been the last two weeks. And I reckon the line of plus 30 is a bit generous and you could probably have a crack at that. But I probably wouldn't be touching this game as far as a punting perspective. I'll be tipping Carlton just because how could you possibly tip Gold Coast after the last two weeks? You couldn't. They have they have the rub on them, though. If you talk about bogey teams and you have and you trust your gut other times, when we had Do- Doggies versus Richmond, yep. we've had other teams like that, Gold Coast have had the, had the rub of the green over the Blues. They have, and they, they were very, very lucky uh, last time they played. I mean, they, they flogged them last year when they played. So, you know, maybe the Suns do keep going with that, but I, I just... You can't... On four lines, if you're looking at four lines, you can't possibly... No, you can't You can't back in a horse that's barely finished the race. Yes. Last two, two weeks, yeah. two starts in a row. Yeah. And that would be silly. Yeah. Then you're going they, up... They're you're due for horse a break. Keeps get, are they just winning by a nose? Or, or places. Or this short? horse has yeah. placed five times out of five and won three of them. Yeah, so... It's a home track. Yeah, I'm tipping... Favourable conditions... Tip, tip the Blues. Tip the Blues, but yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it was close to what people think. And it would be a lot closer than what people think. That line of 30 is absurd. But when you lose by 92 weeks in a row, that's what you're going to get. Another strange one for me in terms of the odds. Saturday, 8-10. Fremantle are $1.59 favourites after getting thumped by Hawthorne. Sydney, $2.26 outsiders after being beaten by a good Carlton side. The, uh, the market must have changed because... I've just pulled up here and it's a dollar ninety head to head. There you go. So let's check out the ins and outs then. So the ins for Sydney aren't that good, I don't think. Um, <laughs> I know that Fife's out for Freo, so that's probably where the, the money's gone. So Travis Collier's out, Fife's out, uh, Nowhouse is out, and Hughes is out. Uh, Bueller's back for Dockers. I like, actually like him. Griffin Logue, Sandlin's is back now. I thought, surely, is this, is this Sandlin's swan song or. Is he going around no, again? Does Roscoe do, Roscoe doesn't do swan songs, so he must be going around again. Jeez, oh, and uh, it's Taylor Dunman, and then out for Sydney, they've got uh, Harry Cunningham's injured, Kieran Jack admitted, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Dawson got suspended and Ronk admitted, and they've got Fox, McLean, Clark, and Riley Stoddard in as well. So, jeez, Sydney have been ordering the last few weeks. They have, but uh, they're a team that they're a team that we can we know what they're going to try and do. Yep. And Freo, if they continue on and play this dour, low-scoring football, which they seem to want to persist with, they let Sydney back into the game. Especially missing Fife, who is their X-Factor. Yeah, they were putrid last week, Fremantle. They were disgusting. Oh. And the only reason why that game was close is because Fife went forward for a little bit and turned the game on its head. And he won't be there this week. I just can't keep tip, uh, tipping Sydney when they got a little earlier in the ruck. I, I don't know why they haven't tried um, one of their other... Ruck choices they got in the reserves. You know, they they recruited one through the mid-season draft. They're going to stick with Alir Alir against uh, Sean Darcy, uh, Rory Lobb, and Aaron Sandlins. So I wouldn't be surprised actually, given they've named those three. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them doesn't get up because that's that's a strange uh, yeah combination. Combination three genuine rucks, especially Sean Darcy and Sandlins. They're both very big, very um, bodies, not very quick across the turf. Mm. Don't really give you much else around the ground, so it'd be interesting to see if he does go with that. If he does stick with that three, actually, I'll be interested to see what happens just before the game because if he goes with those three, you know, Sydney probably have an edge there with with ground ball stuff and and, and pace around the park. But 
I'm, I've been tipping Fremantle freaking the last probably four to five weeks. They're doing my head in because they're like Port Adelaide. They just never, mm. never get... They're, they're in the untouchables. They're with Melbourne. They're with Port. They were with Essendon, but I think Essendon snuck their way out of that one. But being in Perth uh, and having... you know, the, They should have a midfield dominance, really, over... Even without five? Even without five. Man. Money's dropped off, I know, but he, he's better than what he's been putting out. As is Walters. As is Walters, yeah. So... Uh, Walters and Money have been down. They need to lift. Sarah's been down as well. You know the Hill boys. You know even Brad and Stephen. You know you just expect a few more, a bit more from a few of their senior players. And if Rory Lobb and Cam McCarthy do stay forward, then that, I reckon Rory Lobb. That's his best position. He needs to play as a forward. That's it. He doesn't. He can chop out sometimes on a ruck, but just leave him as a forward for Christ's sake. He's a he's a good forward. He can take big marks. He can kick goals. And Matera is you know has been really good for him. Cam McCarthy didn't get it near it last week, so hopefully he bounces back. Uh, so my big question for you then is how does Fremantle stop their inefficiency going inside forward 50? Because at the moment they're ranked 17th in the competition. They only score from 90% of their entries. And we know that Sydney is one of the few sides that persists with the scoring from the back half. Yes. So if you turn the ball over in Sydney's defensive 50, that's where they're going to score their goals from. That's how Sydney do it. So they're still the number one ranked team. They average six goals a game from defensive half chains. Yep. So that kind of fits it. That kind of styles for fights fits in with Sydney's well, advantage. Fit in, as well. Really fit in with this when they played Essendon as well, but they didn't make it count because Sydney themselves having a lot of trouble scoring. I mean, they only scored sixty odd points last week against mm. Carlton. So you you got two teams that are struggling to score. Look, I'm going to tip three rounds at, at in Perth. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're the. Alira Alira can't keep playing the ruck. He's going to get monstered by... Even if Darcy just plays by himself, Darcy will literally just monster him around the ball, around the stoppages. You know, obviously, Alira Alira doesn't have the ground coverage and you know be a link player and get used a lot as an outlet through, through him. But still, I mean, that's a big advantage, especially with, like I said, Freo's midfield is actually pretty handy. I know uh, Sydney want to make it in tight and a contest, contest at the stoppages and then try and get it out to like Jones or something like that. But... Yeah, I just think Fremont home, and I reckon the unders here, 149 points. With both teams, the way they like to play, they like the you know defensive Dow sort of football. I reckon this could be a real slog, and I reckon that'll be the way to go. But tip Fremantle, but just I probably wouldn't touch the game from a punting perspective. But if you were going to, it would be the uh, unders and overs. Well, I got very excited for Sydney at uh, 2.26, but in the last two hours, they've come in another 30 cents. Well, when five goes out, mate, it's a big, big, big shift, shift in the market, yeah. So uh, I'm tipping Sydney for this one. That would be our point of difference, and I might just get another one back on you. Yeah, definitely. Who knows? Sunday, St Kilda, $2.75 outsiders versus Western Bulldogs, $1.44 favourites. They're playing at Marvel Stadium. The line here, 15 and a half. The over-under, 161. Alan Richardson was sacked, and we all know what happens when you sack a coach. And Apparently, you play the doggies. The freedom is all here. And you play the doggies. And you're playing the doggies. So all three teams this year have had the sack coach. They've fought up against the doggies. And they've all had, won. And they've all won. So <laughs> what's it? We tip St. Kilda. That's what we do. Well, the dog, we tip St. Kilda. The doggies been up. And, they have been up. But we know that the doggies are an up for a bit side and then a drop-off side. Yeah, because they're not good. Um, yeah. How you just roll the dice and tip St. Kilda and take it 275. You can't pick the Saints. You couldn't pick. You couldn't have picked Carlton when they, the week after they sacked Bolton. You definitely couldn't have picked North, who we were shipping off to North Hobart. Suddenly, Shorey comes in and fixes them all up. Well, to be fair, they won. Uh, they did win that game. With yeah, Scott when Stewart. they they sprung him, they sprung him on yeah, the moment. Yeah, though. yeah, on the, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, this game is ordinary. Um, 
I don't know where to start to be honest because I, I really don't rate the you doggies. You don't rate doggies? No, I, I think I think they got a couple of overrated players that, and they when they play a team they should be beaten. They, they 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 do it. They do it. They do what they need to do to win. Like they did last week. You know Melbourne. You know being Melbourne at the moment. They just got over the line. So you can't. I can't have faith in a team that just got over the line against Melbourne who only just beat Carlton. And again, you look at the form lines. You think it's like Adelaide a few weeks ago and everyone's saying they're back. You look at the teams they played and you go, mm, are they really back? And then you get, they play Port and you see what they're really Meanwhile, like. St Kilda fronted up against the Geelong side. They were good that for was, a half, that was half, not, half. That was not a performance that deserved a coach no. to get sacked for. No, well, he was, no, he got sacked for a different reason altogether. Yeah, but yeah. He, they, didn't, they didn't get rid of Alan Richardson because St Kilda were playing, had lost the faith in the coach. They were getting rid of him because they needed to try and hire a new coach yeah. before they all get snapped up. They're they're an, they're an okay side, Tinker. They they front up. They're not they're not actually like they're not a good side. Like, but they front up. Well, well Norton's gonna get a very good defender on him. He's gonna get like Carlisle or Brown, yep. something like that. Sam Lloyd, well, he drops in and out of game, so who knows what he's gonna do? So, where do their goals come from? We know what Shucky's gonna give us. He's shown glimpses, but he's not really gonna tear a game up, is he? You look down the other end. You got Bruce Membry. You know, those two blokes can kick goals. We've seen them kick bags of goals before in their career. Then you've got blokes like Billings and, and Loney and stuff and Dunstan all floating around there. They're, they're debuting a player called Dalton Longhand, Longlands, which is Langlands or something like that. Like, it's an amazing name. He's from Albury-Wodonga, so he must be a good bloke. Um, I, I actually think... I actually might be tipping St. Kilda here. Just, I reckon that, that whole coach theory, and I just reckon they've got more scoring power, and if they can get it, have some freedom and get going... I think they can actually um, do some damage here. Cause well, there's no fear factor now as well. well and and, and re- in reality, there's also continuity because Rats got brought on board to add in some senior kind of authority and work with like, the team at a granular level. Yep. Well, he's now taken over the whole gig, so nothing really changes. Yep. Except that now they have no result-driven pressure. They can just play footy. And, you know, we know how inefficient the, the doggies are going forward. So, Terrible. again, it could be another little bit of a slog, but... Yeah, I'm going to tip the Saints here. I can't believe I'm saying that. And uh, they're, they're at juicy odds too, at $2.75. And maybe we took the line fifth and a half. Or I reckon it'll be unders as well, 162, because it's at Marvel. Do you reckon it'll be close? Yeah, I reckon it'll be close. Because yeah. you can get each team by less than 15 for 275 as well. That's not bad as well, yeah. But I'll be tipping Saints. Yeah. And I'll probably won't be touching. That's, to be fair, it's the most we're talking about St. Kilda all, all season. They're a relevant side now. Once you sack your coach, you get a little bit, you a little bit of air time. <laughs> That's how you have to do it. On to our 50-50 pick for the week, and it's your mob. So, I've got a bone to pick with you, but I'll introduce the game first. (laughs) Saturday, 4.35, the Giants are hosting Collingwood at Giants Stadium. It's basically $1.90 each way. It's a proper 50-50 pick. The line here is a nominal one and a half, and the over-under, a very low 157. Why did you openly lie to our listeners last week? About Collingwood. About Collingwood and their season being done, and that you'd given up faith, and that they weren't going to make the eight and all those other bollocks, and then you go and put money on it behind our backs you, for you to cover the line, for you to win, for you to do all sorts. Well, I think I, you owe our listeners an apology. They could have cashed in. Well, sorry. I had a few beers on Friday afternoon, and uh, I was feeling... I was looking at it going, you know what, I reckon... We've been under... What happens generally is teams are under pump three or mm-hmm. four weeks, which I'll get to in a second about GWS, and they, gender, they have a response. Yep. And we travelled, had a response. Um, and I, I don't know, I just had this funny feeling. I had my gut feeling again. Yeah. And I had, you know, had a cheeky, you know, couple of dollars on 
Collingwood to win and Collingwood to cover the line. It was it went my way. So it did. Um, I'm sorry to the listeners. Like I, you know, to be all in all honesty, like if I told you guys I'm tipping Collingwood, uh, you all would have laughed at me and said, "Who's this bloody whack whack job?" So yeah, it didn't it didn't happen. But this week I'm actually concerned because Darcy Moore's out. Uh, another injury. Uh, Elliot's re-injured himself as well. I don't know how serious yet, mm-hmm. which is. Massive news because we're already struggling to kick goals going forward. I think he takes a good defender, so that, that hurts a bit. Um, obviously, Howe comes back, which helps our defence a lot. Uh, Taylor Adams is back, which is massive for our midfield. Hopefully, he's 100%. Uh, Flynn Appleby's back as well, and then Travis Varco, who you know what, what's going to do. And then for Gi- Giants, you've got uh, Finlayson's back, Mumford's back, and Jake Stein. And so I'm a bit worried here because last week's win means nothing if we don't come out and win. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, obviously. Because, you know, it was a big win last week, but it, it dead set means nothing if we don't back it up. And it's also not a sustainable way to win. To hold a team scoreless for 45 minutes which is hugely unusual. Yeah. And as much as it was an amazing tactical manoeuvre to block out their interceptors, and shout-outs to Sean Grigg, who writes for uh, Footy Live, he pointed that out to, in a very detailed fashion. But, like, that will work only against West Coast, and yeah. West Coast aren't want to change that. No. Or A, because they'll probably play you again in the finals, so they'll save that tactical manoeuvre change and adaption for when they play you again. Yep. And B, like it's that arrogance we talked about before. Like if you're a top two team or a top four side, you back in your style, and they just backed it in and they got themselves into a hole. So as much as, you know, Simpson's saying he's disappointed, blah, 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 well, I don't think he is that disappointed. If it costs him a top two spot, maybe he will be, you know, reflexively and retrospectively, but at the moment, he'll take that as an, an, an aberration. I really don't see um, Pendles playing either. I know he's been named, but I reckon he'll miss at least one. So I, I, I'd expect a late change. Mumford comes in just really to bash the crap out of Grundy. Grundy, and they've they, they picked both Mumford and Dit Simpson. So again, it's not often teams go with two ruckmen these days. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another late change there as well. If we don't bring that pressure and that. that uh, Hunger to JWS. They will cut us open with their kick, their kicking style and their kicking game, and their forwards will be too dangerous for our forwards. So obviously, that being said, though the opposite will also be true, considering the Giants yet again didn't turn up last week. Two points in the opening quarter against the Richmond side. Yeah, we need to crack in. We need to put lots of pressure on them, and like they're missing obviously Caniglio and Kelly. So our midfield, if they're fair income, should run over the top of them. So. And obviously having uh, the number one ruckman in the comp, Brody Grundy, and then Mason Cox just needs to start sticking marks because hmm. there's no matchup for him down no. at, against JVS. I mean, most teams don't have a matchup anyway. There's no real matchup for him. Even if Sam Taylor or, or Phil Davis go to him, that opens up Myacek and, and Dugowie to you know have a say. So it, look, the, the matchups go pretty well for us and the style of football goes well for us. It's just whether we turn up again. So, you know, and you look at our three or four weeks before West Coast and you're... Uh, I was in panic stations. Mm. West Coast, you go, all right, we're, that's something similar to what I want to see us do. If we can back that up and go oh, probably another 5 10%, we'll be fine. But if not, then, you know, like I said, Giants have been under the pump the last four weeks and they're due a, a, a spike. They're due a bounce back. Whether, you know, they can blame injuries and do what they want, but they're due a bounce back. So that's what worries me here. And we've obviously played Richmond again next week. So, yeah, I'm looking for a massive game from uh, some of our midfielders. You know, Crisp is going to go on, on the ball as well, and he, you know, he needs a lift. But, like, 
even Chalor, like Chalor really needs to go up another gear as well. And Braden Sai, you know, he's had a slow start, but he needs to go up another gear. And, you know, hopefully Crocker, who was pretty average last week, like really poor, he's likely to get another game, to be honest. Yeah, but you've been saying that for weeks now, so... Yeah, I, I, I just don't think he's up to... He's a bit slow. He's not up to the AFL speed, but he's getting another crack. Whether that's because he's good mates with a few of the boys out there, I don't know, but uh, he's getting another crack, and hopefully he proves me wrong and, and does all right. And, uh, it's disappointing seeing Noble go down as well after he, you know, he played a pretty good role on shutting out you know, Ryan on the mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, so he's hurt his calf. Obviously, coming from a VFL or sample straight into an AFL system and then playing AFL is pretty hard to do in your body. And Quain has been really, really good for us. So, Who are you tipping, Baz? Sorry, mate. I've probably rambled on a bit too That's much okay. about the pies. I'm just up and about now. I'm, after... tip, I'm tipping the Giants. You're tipping the Giants? Yeah. Now, are you actually tipping the Giants? Or are you going to have a few froths on Saturday afternoon and then backflip and make some more cash in your pies? No, no. I'll be tipping the Giants. I won't be punting on the game. And I won't be able to change my mind and put, mate, because at 4.35, I'll still be coaching the Tunners, mate. So... There you go. I'm tipping the pies. I reckon the pies are back. I reckon the Giants are actually properly cooked. And they can blame injuries, and sure they can. And that will that will be the difference in this game. That doesn't excuse what they did the week before or the week before that. They're on the back of a three-game losing streak. They are showing not much at the wrong time of the year for mine. And yes, it's, a, it's another six weeks left in the season, but they've lost. They've let the wheels fall off at the wrong time. And it's the one coach. And of all the coaches that you could have sacked this year, this is the guy that has the Ferrari, doesn't know how to drive it, to use the mainstream media cliche. And it doesn't make much sense that he gets no pressure other than the fact that they're totally irrelevant and the AFL gives him a free pass. Mm. But uh, that's my say. I reckon the unders are here as well because I think that'll be your new style whilst you find your feet again. Well, we're, we're, we're just shutting teams out. Well, we're... Oh, you don't score much yourself. We don't score at the moment. No, not without Stevenson and stuff and co, so... Yeah. So, yeah, under 158 could be a doer as well. All right, on to my uh, sure things. And if I learn anything this year, whenever I think it's a sure thing, it's probably not. So take this as an upset alert. Who knows? Saturday, 145. Richmond are $1.25 favourites against Port Adelaide. $3.70 outsiders at the MCG. The line here, 26.5. The over-under... 163. The Tigers are back. They're playing nothing but home games at the MCG from now until the finals. However, my only concern is this is the on week for Port. I was about to say, so. <laughs> this is the on week. A couple weeks ago, we said Port will be up this week. They beat yep. Adelaide and then watch them lose to Brisbane because yep. that's what they do. And if you had jumped on that, if you had jumped on that, you would have made yourself a classic six bucks. Six bucks on every dollar. Gotta say. Found uh, some form late. Yeah, well. Surely Port win this then. Well, like, I think so. <laughs> like, that would make sense. So, the, you know, the, the, the outsiders, no one gives them a chance. These yeah. are the games they get up for. So, they were terrible last week. They were really, really bad. And Hinkley, I don't know what he was thinking, but that was... Was that the worst coaching performance you've ever seen? Just from, like, a media management expectation? But they got it out on purpose so that Brisbane would concentrate on it and thinking it would distract them or something. I don't know. I don't know what their thought But, like, it's the was. one time where usually that's all... So, like, Kevin Shetty back in the day was the, was the ultimate, like, headline hunter yep. as a coach. But then when they went and played, they just went and played. Like, leg- legitimately, like, they eye-gouged Lockie Neal. Yeah. Yeah, like, I know, I know, like yeah. that's crazy. And like, they it actually... His, it was his best man at his wedding as well, Cam Sutcliffe, doing the damage. Like, <laughs> it's such a crazy thing to actually do. Yeah, it was weird. And they lose uh, Ollie Wines and Brad Ebert and Ryan Burton, and there's probably one or two more outs there as well that are quite sore and uh, might not get up for this game. But mm. at 
as it stands, that's that's who's out. And then obviously, Richmond uh, get back uh, Graham and Baker, and you know, good to see Broadbent back after he took a little break for uh, mental health issues. And it's always good to see those boys come back after sorting themselves out for whatever reason they need to do. It's it's not good, but you know, it's good he's back. And obviously, Higo Higgins from Richmond, hopefully, he's all right with uh, your bleed on the brain so uh, they found out there's something medical wrong with him they've yeah. operated on him and stuff and he should be going home soon next couple of days and hopefully be fine and it won't play again this year so um, but you, I, you couldn't possibly tip against Richmond here like, not at all they're, they're, everything you hear about in me you watch you know, you watch Jack Ray, watch the family environment you hear about him speak about Higgins and that sort of stuff and you just think they're on here and you know, I've been saying all year that my premiership favourites and they're so just building and it's yeah. got it's got very twenty seventeen vibes. Well, actually, they they put a stat up with where you were sitting at this time yeah. in twenty seventeen versus this year. It's exactly the same. Um, Nanks back in the VFL, but I still, uh, this is my opinion. Yeah, you don't think he's going to be back in the I don't, best twenty two? I don't have I don't have Nank in your best twenty two. I reckon Soldo and Chola are doing a great job. Mm. They, they offer something different. They give you more around the ground. They're a lot more versatile, and yeah, I just think they it's just. Gives the team opposition teams more to think about than Nank, who, you know, can, he's more like a Mumford style, just a just a competitive. Blob. He competes and doesn't, yeah. he probably gets ten possessions a game. Yeah, like you know, so yeah, I just I just think your four lines too dangerous. Your midfield's too all over the park. You've got winners, and I think uh, Port's young kids who have been carrying them a long way throughout the year so far are starting to drop off, you know, which first, makes perfect sense. First season and. Yeah. I think it'll still be a close enough game, but I think similar to last week against GWS, you'll probably just put a five, six goal gap on him and cruise to win. So, Yep, 100%. And uh, look out for a Tommy Lynch bag. He kicked six against them first time around against Port this year, and that was at the Adelaide Oval. And now that Jackie Boy's back as well, it just lets him be the number one dude. So, And again, as you mentioned, there's lots of maturity there now in that club, so Jack's happy to play that second role, like the utility role. Very much like a Jordan Roughhead to Buddy Franklin style yep. back in the Hawthorne uh, peak days. I, so. I actually like the Richmond line as well. I know it's 27 points. It can be a bit much, but that should be... It's, I reckon that's about right. Yeah. I reckon I'll take that on. There you go. All right. Second sure thing is Saturday, 7.25. Brisbane are thirty-seven favourites against North Melbourne. $2.92 outsiders at the Gabba. The line here is three goals. The over-under, 168. Are you joining the mainstream media in saying not only is Brisbane a final certainty, not only is Brisbane a top four certainty, but Brisbane should be a premiership contender this year. They're not a premiership contender. I've said all along their finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Premiership, no. Finals, yes. They've still got a few little... When the heat's on in finals... Decision-making? Their decision-making and composure, delivering inside 50, yeah. will absolutely kill them. And then they don't have that... In, they don't have that physicality... To, to make up for making those mistakes. No. So A, the best teams don't make mistakes in the first place, yep. but B, the bigger, more mature, more physical teams can lock down when those mistakes do happen. Yep. This team doesn't have that. No. They... And so if, we, if you cough the ball up to a, well, to a West Coast, to a Richmond, to maybe a Collingwood, depending on how they go, you'll get carved the other way. Probably not against this North side though, because they're not really a slice and dice team with pace the other way. No, they, they want to make it, they're very Sydney-like, contested, hard at it, Long down the line, that sort of stuff. It's going to be tough for them to replicate. Yeah, and Brisbane, if they can cut them up. Like, again, leg speed will be a massive issue for, for North. And Brisbane play the Gabba really, really well. They play a good style of footy there. They, they turn it back into a fortress. And um, 
you know, Luke McDonald being injured is not great, but they get they get Higgins back, which is a massive in for North. Mm-hmm. Well, it's had a bit of a layoff, and obviously Mason Wood. But then you look at the ins for Brisbane Lions. You know how these three weren't playing last week, and what they did to Quayle is kind of scary because Hugh McGoldie is probably one of the most underrated players in the AFL at the moment. If he was playing in Melbourne, uh, it's a good cliche. But if he was playing in Melbourne, like yeah, he'd be a superstar. He'd be a superstar. Uh, Hipwood's back, obviously, and Hodge, the general's back, and it's also good to see Brisbane win without Hodge because I'd, I'd like to see their win loss record without mm. Hodge. Are going to be in the in the negative? Yep. But last week, without Hodgie, they, they took another step forward. Um, I know North are about to sign up Ray Shaw, and then there's rumours about uh, another ex-AFL coach coming to oversee uh, Reese. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that they've had... A bit like uh, Carlton, they might have had their honeymoon period. You know what you're going to get from them, though? They're going to crack in. They're going to crack in. They're going to crack in. They're going to have a crack. But they're probably not up to Brisbane yet. And that... But then it also worries me because how much do I trust Brisbane to keep this run going? They're a young team. They've got some really good leaders though and they're obviously well coached. But so I'm back. And especially with those fresh ends as well. So yeah. those ones allow you to make to capitalise your forward movement. So you yeah. expect to win the clearances again. You expect your Lockie Neils and your Charlie Cameron's to have a pretty good game week yeah. in, week out. Once you add in McCluggage and Hipwood, well there you go, there's some targets as well. And now you, can, now you can cash in on your entries as well. And the blokes getting ad- admitted from that team have done nothing wrong, which s- says a lot about their depth. So, yeah, I'm tipping Brisbane. Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah, I'm not probably going to touch the game from punt- punting point of view because, uh, you know, the line's about right. Actually, I reckon the line's very, very gettable, but a dollar thirty-seven head-to-head is, is yeah, not worth it. Yeah, they're not a not, not a not such a trustworthy team that you'd be taking that at the line or yeah. at the... Uh, at the head-to-head at those short odds. Sunday at 1.10, Geelong are hosting Hawthorne at the MCG, much to their chagrin. Every game should be down at Park, apparently. Apparently, they're allergic to money, Geelong. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, $1.36 is their odds. Hawthorne are out to $3.10. The line here is three goals. You have under one forty-five. Geelong beat St Kilda by 27 points last week in a very unconvincing game. And yet, they are $1.36 favourites. Geelong have been unconvincing since the buy, really. Yeah. Um, they get some good ins, though. Uh, or, sorry, Hawthorne gets some good ins with uh, Jack Gunston and James Cousins. I reckon Cousins goes all right. And Gunston's obviously a very, very good player. Shields, 200th game. I'm going to tip Clarko. You know, just straight up tip Hawthorne. Yeah, I'm tipping Hawthorne. I, I, I reckon... I've been saying it. I know you don't rate Geelong. You have never rated Geelong. You think they're overrated. You think they shouldn't be rated at all. They will finish on top of the ladder still. Yeah, they've had a they've had a really good draw. Apart from the first probably five games of the year, they've had a good draw. (laughs) Apart from a third of the season, they've had a really good draw. Yeah, great. And they won all those games that they shouldn't have won. They did. They did really well. They did. And they've they've had the cruisy time. And now they're just cruising. And can they they flick the switch? I had the buy, and you've already got Scott talking about resting players and. Getting themselves ready for finals and all that sort of stuff. There's a bit of head wobble going on. Yeah. When well, you're on top of the ladder, two games clear, yeah, you can well, head wobble. I, just, I still don't rate John. And, you know, you all give me crap as much as you want. And if, if they win on the weekend, you know what? I've been wrong about John all, all year. year. But, you know what? When they get knocked out in straight sets, I won't be wrong because it's been a waste of a season for them. So, anyway, I'm tipping Hawthorne. I just reckon that Clarko has something uh, up his sleeve to bring to the game on. On Sunday, as they generally do, they're generally a tight contest. Uh, you know, Hawthorne really took it up to them last time they played earlier in the year. Geelong just go over the line, and I think that the Hawks are just, they're not playing 
great football, but they're well coached, well directed. And I yeah. think that play goes a long way. And I think they're in that dour but dependable category. Yeah, and Clarko would have got, gone the homework on what uh, St Kilda and, and that have done to Geelong the last two three weeks and seen Western uh, Bulldogs and seen how they man up on their defenders and make them play one on one footy more and, and try and drag them out of that zone and uh, make them more accountable can obviously open them up a bit as well as we saw with St Kilda and the Doggies the last couple of weeks and that bit of speed. So you're going to just ignore like all the factors that Geelong are basically leading the comp in every like, no. important key indicator and that Hawthorne aren't great at ground balls, not great at contested no, footy. Just tip him. So straight tip him, just in Clarko we trust. In Clarko we trust, mate. I'm going to trust in the history. So these are traditionally close games. Either team, 15 points or less, is $2.80. Yep. Which I think is more trustworthy than the Hawthorne at $3.10. All right. But I'll be tipping Geelong probably. Okay. We're going to head to Alice Springs now. For another sure thing, Melbourne are two dollar seventy five outsiders against West Coast for a dollar forty four favourites. The line here is fifteen and a half, and the over under is one sixty six. Was that was that the sign? You know how Richmond had their little like peak too early in their back to back campaign. Yep. Was last week the sign that West Coast said that's the end? They're being found out. You just take away their interceptors and they're done. Yeah, um, no, I don't think so. And I reckon they've taken the Mickey a bit of this week. They've named—I know it's an extended squad, but they've named three debutants. So obviously they're just uh, taking. They don't rate Melbourne. Yeah, don't rate Melbourne. But Melbourne play up there a fair bit, and they might be used to, more, a bit more used to conditions than what West Coast are. They nearly knocked off Adelaide early this year, but oh, I can't see them getting near West Coast. I, you couldn't possibly tip. No, you can't tip Melbourne. I, and it, you know, it really it pisses me off when Melbourne. So Josh Money comes out and he, he just reels off excuses. Oh, we're the top of the injury ladder table. Piss off, mate. Look at Collingwood. Look at a few other teams. Richmond. Richmond. All those teams have had injuries this year and still managed to perform. Hmm. What have Melbourne done? Nothing. They keep making excuses. And you can it, lose. Like St Kilda had heaps of injuries and won oh, a bunch of their early games. Yeah. But they, they played a certain style of football that was replicable. Yeah. They didn't just give up. And not even play to a certain brand. How they're not getting copping more crap is just beyond me. And he, he'll get through this year, Simon Goodwin. But I yeah. tell you what, if they're if they're one and six next year, pack your bags, champ. You're on your way. There you go. Yeah, that's how he's got away with this much. You know, like, you know, every coach in the NFL this year has been under the pump except for Goodwin. Yeah, it comes in peaks and tries. I think it's been a bit of timing as well. Because he obviously is, he's feeding off the prelim last year, which, you know, kudos to Melbourne, the excitement of making finals again. Rah, rah, rah. And then B, like, there's always been another person in more crisis yep. next to him. So maybe, though, now, now that Alan Richardson's out of the way and Wush is going to make finals probably and that Don Pike's going to get away with it by living in Adelaide, maybe he's the next one in the gun. Who knows? Unless, that, uh, unless Ross Lyon shits the bed again this week. Who knows? But, uh... West Coast, the obvious tip there. And uh, not much else to talk about because Melbourne are no good. Everyone's favourite segment, Money Making Time. And just like Port Adelaide, we shall bounce back after a quiet week last week. Baz, hit us up with your best bet of the week. Under 148.5 in the Sydney Fremantle game. Total match points. There you go. Probably one game not to watch as well. That can be a little bit of advice (laughs) there. If it's going under 148, there'll be a lot of tackles in that one, let's just say that. 
All right, what's your value going around for round 18, Baz? My value is Hawthorne head-to-head, $3.10. There you go. I've got the same game. Mine's going to be a bit more conservative. Hawthorne versus Geelong. Uh, the try bet of each team under 15 points margin, $2.75. So probably have nibble at both if you've got enough cash to splash. And do you have any roughies for the weekend? Well, my roughest is $3.50, and that's Essendon, one thirty-nine to beat Adelaide. Start your weekend off right with a Friday night upset, as predicted here on What Are The Odds. Mine, I'm going with your patented bet, Carlton, 61-75. to I reckon the Suns will show up, and they'll restrict Carlton's scoring. Well, the Carlton That's got, paying six bucks. Carlton got the 61-75 last week. They did, in the sweet spot. In the sweet spot. Now they're expected to absolutely thump the Suns. I think it might be a little bit less of a thumbing than most people expect. Carlton, 61-75 to points. Regressing to the mean, which is what all teams do eventually. Six bucks, cash in. And uh, if you do win yourselves a bit of cash on the weekend, head on down to our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel, and uh, treat yourself to a can of meal and a cheeky pop. Come on!